What does the church look like? What does local church look like? And we've been doing um, one-word sermons, and um, so we've had uh, good, and um, what was the first one? First, good, first, both, and last week was treaty, and today is cake. The word is cake. Yay. What does the local church look like in reality? Uh, looks maybe like this. Well, maybe it doesn't. Uh, so let's have a look at what it looked like first. Acts two forty-two to 46. So we'll read that. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day the fellowship of the believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. What does the local church look like in reality? This is a new baby church. Uh, Jesus had died, been resurrected, gone to the Father, sent his Holy Spirit, which had come powerfully. Uh, We see that at the start of this chapter. And what formed out of it was the local church. Now, uh, theologians, they kind of make a, uh, they say there's uh, two parts to the church. They say there's a universal church, which is uh, all who followed God, all who have followed God. That's called the universal church, all through history. And then there's local church. And the local church is the church at a particular time in place and place. So there's universal church and local church. And so we're going to talk about local church. What does local church look like? Uh, For myself, I said yes to following Jesus when I was 18 years old. Had a great family background, got confused. But at 18, I said yes to Jesus, to following Jesus. Uh, It took me probably, I'd say, three years before I said yes to the bride of Christ, to the bride of Jesus, to the church. Local church, a particular group of people in the, at a time and place in history, a group, a team, a, a community of faith, Fano, family. And church is plural, not singular. There are 59 another's in the New Testament, such as love each other, love one another, uh, forgive one another. So if the Bible is true, and the Christian faith is both kind of, it's both personal and it's plural, if that's true, it's about others as well. It's a team sport. Now, in a, in a team sport, you also do personal training. You know, you'll go for runs and you'll weights and whatever. Uh, but also in a team sport, you will train together. And you'll uh, play together. 
And so what does that look like in reality? What does local church look like? And I want to say there's three visible parts, three parts we can see. And the comforting thing is this is not new. If we look back uh, 20-odd plus centuries of the local church, it's looked remarkably similar to this. It's not something new. We're in a stream of the fathers and mothers, our ancestors in the faith. I I find that comforting. So the three parts of local church, what it looks like. Firstly, there's big uh, gatherings, big gatherings. Acts 2 verse 46, they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Hari tonu ana hokirato itinera itinera kite teme para the temple. Kotai tonu ano tefakaro. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. So to start with, before they were persecuted out of uh, out of uh, temple, this new baby church they met together in the temple courts, in one place on a regular basis, uh, doing four things. They were learning from the apostles. Uh, they, they had fellowship. They were sharing. They were breaking of, there was a breaking of bread, uh, communion and, and meals, and there was prayer. And what this did, what this did, it brought a sense of center. It brought a sense of center to the new baby church. That, that centeredness said, this is us. This is what we believe. This is who we are. And the apostles were regarded in a special sense as guardians of the, of the traditions of Jesus. The apostles were the guardians of the center. And having proper guardians of, of tradition is important. Great. It's great having new blood and letting people have a go. As long as the new blood don't let go, doesn't let go of what should not be let go. <laughs> That's why you need good guardians. For those, um, if you've uh, followed what happened up at Waitangi, there's a little bit of debate about the lower marae there, uh, to Te Marae. And they've had new trustees there, and there's been a little bit of raru raru uh, problems as to some believing that the new, younger guardians uh, have not protected what is the essence of who they are as a marae. And, and they've let go of some of the hospitality and generosity. So it's really important uh, having good guardians of what is the center. But the, so as the apostles taught and preached, they affirmed the core of the community of faith, This is what we believe. This is what Jesus said. This is how he lived. This is how he treated people. This is what he meant. This is who we are and this is who we worship. This is us. This is our local whanau of faith. Male, female, old, new. Uh, Going well, struggling in the faith. This is us. This is our whanau in the faith. So it's that sense of center from that big gathering. And, and that it was important because in those early days there were some wild things going on outside. There were, there were miraculous things going on. And uh, 
keeps the new people in the faith in uh, uh, expectation of the soon-to-come return of Jesus. And, and very soon after, there was also violent persecution. Now, the big gathering takes, actually takes a fair amount of work. You may have noticed that. This big gathering takes a fair amount of work. And I just want to start by saying thank you for that. I know it does take work. So I want to say um, thank you, Sophie. <laughs> thank you, Gabe. Thank you, Robbie. Thank you, Jim and Sandy. Uh, thank you, Tim and Wenda and others helping there. Thank you, uh, Carl and Cliff, who will help us. And thank you all in the way that you uh, help. Because I know it does actually take work. And thank you. And it, uh, and it always has, and it always will. At times people say, they say stuff like, um, I actually didn't get much out of Sunday morning, which could be true. Uh, maybe you're actually not here for you this morning. Maybe this morning you are here for the person next to you, or the person in front of you, or the person behind you. That they kind of feel support by you being here. Maybe that's why you're here today. Shara and I were in Topo for one night in January with no children. <laughs> the next day was Sunday, so, and we went to church. And from a personal point of view, I would have to say it was kind of average. <laughs> and uh, the message was kind of average, and parts of the worship were average, and the people were not friendly. And um, only one person came up to say hello. You know what? Actually, I don't care because I was friendly. And I went up to different people and I said hello. And I, after the service, I went to the worship leader and I said, thank you and I uh, appreciate what you've done for us today. And I said to the, uh, the, the speaker, I said, there's some things that I really got, got out of what you said today. And uh, I just want to say sometimes we're here not for us, but for those there, 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 and there. And, uh, and on that Sunday, it was kind of average, I had the privilege of worshipping the one true God, and I was grateful for that. And deep, deep, deep down in my heart, I believe in the local church. I do. I do. And I want to say, uh, on behalf of some people, I'm going to talk, uh, I'm going to uh, say what they said to us later. I want to thank you for making this home for some people, home for us. I want to thank you for that. And Jesus said this, he said, if anyone will come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Dying to self. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I read this this week. This, is, this really rocked me. He's, and he said this. The kingdom of God cannot be established at the same time as the kingdom of self. The kingdom of God cannot be established at the same time as the kingdom of self. So we've got to choose. 
Do we want to establish the kingdom of God or the kingdom of self? Tim Keller, the American church planner, has noticed something interesting about big church gatherings. He says the challenge of the the big group, there is a number of attendees at church increase, the expectation of quality also increases. So at a very large church, uh, attendees expect an amazing message, amazing music, and very, very soft seats for their bottoms. (laughs) And all of this can can lead to what is called consumer church. The church of me. A religious organization producing fantastic religious products and services. And I just want to tell you, we are not opposed to quality. And we're not opposed to having more people come along. And we want to bless as many people as we can in this church. And we do believe in quality and giving our very best to God. We're not opposed to that. But we will fight consumer church tooth and nail because that is not what we are about. We're not about consumer church. We're not putting on great religious products and services. We're about what Jesus said. If anyone will come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So the big gathering gives ample opportunity for the, for the core fundamentals of the Christian faith to be taught, affirmed, participated in an ongoing and regular way. Brings that sense of center. Sense of center. And the small gatherings brings a sense of reality. Uh, Acts 2.46 again says they often where they would often meet in homes. Yorato kainga. Yorato kainga. In homes. And so from homes we get a sense of reality. We get to know people on a deeper level. And we connect at a deeper level. We can be a bit more real. You know, we can share our troubles and our, our joys as well. We can pray f- pray uh, for individual needs and family needs. We can even help meet those needs, become aware of them. We can um, develop and use spiritual gifts much more easily often in those smaller gatherings. Uh, Things like growth groups. Uh, Three met uh, this week, just gone. All six will meet in... Not this week, the week after. Growth groups, great opportunity for that sense of reality to come into our faith. Uh, Prayer groups, partners, children's and youth gatherings. Tim Keller again said this, uh, the ability, this is interesting, the ability of the church to care for you will be severely limited if you are not involved in those smaller gatherings. The ability of church to care for you will be severely limited if you are not involved in smaller gatherings. Uh, at times people say this, you know, actually, I get, I get the most out of meeting with so and so and so, that one and that one and that one. And, uh, and I thought about that and thought, oh, actually, so and so and so, you met them at the big gathering. And it's a little bit like our kids sometimes 
they'll come to us with a cake or what's left of the cake and they've actually eaten the icing and the lollies and they say, here, what? Uh, <clears throat> the reason the icing is there is because of the cake. <laughs> yeah. It can be a bit cannibalistic sometimes. The mother gives birth and then the, the child wants to eat the, the mother. So, big gatherings, smaller gatherings. Big gatherings bring a sense of center. Smaller gatherings bring a sense of reality. How does this work in my life? Monday, Tuesday, as well as Sunday. Thirdly, special gatherings. Brings a sense of joy. John 5 verse 1 said, Jesus went up to the festival. And the Jews had seven major festivals. Three of them were pilgrimage. So they would travel, if it was possible, they would travel to Jerusalem to celebrate. And they would uh, be remembrance, celebration, thankfulness. I reckon probably the most joyful one would be one called uh, Purim. And Purim was a, came out of the book of Esther, where the Jews were saved incredibly by... Uh, by God from extermination as a people, as an entire people from genocide. They were saved from that by Esther and Mordecai, her uncle Mordecai. And it's a, an incredibly joyful celebration. In fact, um, there's, there's a lot of heavy drinking in Purim. Um, the point is, I don't want to advocate uh, excessive drinking, But uh, the point is, the faith is celebration, is about celebration as well as dedication. Our faith is not just about dedication. It's not just about gritting our teeth and trying harder for Jesus. It's also about celebration. There's joy in the journey. You know, that's why we have things like the Noho Marae, end of year barbecue, picnics. Uh, celebrations, birthdays, all those sorts of things because, you know, it's about celebration as well as dedication. You know, was it a coincidence that Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding and he turned water into something that would make the attendees quite joyful? Grape juice. (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think that was a coincidence. I think it was actually a statement that the faith is uh, not just about dedication and there is trouble, but it's also about celebration and not only celebration now, but of what is to come. If you go back to the cake analogy, special gatherings are like lollies on top of the icing, on top of the cake. Again, great, but um, you just can't eat lollies all the time. (laughs) I want to promote the whole cake, the cake, the icing, and the lollies. It's all local church. It's all goods. It's all goods. Local church. I just want to uh, encourage you in that uh, through a couple of uh, bits of news we had. Uh, sometimes we get not so happy news, but um, I want to encourage you in 
Uh, one thing one lady wrote, and we got it last week, I think, an email. She says, uh, just drop in, she visits from Auckland sometimes, just drop in a hi to say how warmly welcome I always feel when I visit your church. Feels like I'm with Fano every time I am here. When we are singing, I feel so blessed to be in the presence of the Lord. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Thanks again. <laughs> I love your church. It refreshes, listen to this, it refreshes like a delicious cold drink on a hot, hot day. Thank you. <laughs> um, another man said to Shah, I think it was last week or week before, he, he'd, had, he'd never been to church. He'd been to weddings and funerals, but he'd never been to church. Um, he was a grown man, but he said, you know, the first time I came through the door, it felt to me like I had come home. And uh, G, uh, Ephesians five twenty five says this: Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her. Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her. And I thank you, those of you who who help, who give yourself for the bride. I know it is costly. Always was. Always will be, but I thank you for that. And um, we're going to have a a chance to respond to that today, just where you are in your seats. And um, then we'll have a chance, people will be here to pray. We'll have a chance uh, for for prayer about anything. Um, But let's just shut our eyes. Maybe if we can have the worship team up again, please. And... um, As we think about that, that um, Christ did die for us personally, but Christ loved the church and he gave himself for her. Plurally, if that's a word. <laughs> Christ loved the church, Ephesians 5.25, gave, gave himself for her. I just want you to uh, just maybe sit there for a while and think of the cake. Uh, the big gathering, the cake, and the small gathering, the icing, and the celebration, the special gatherings, the lollies. And, um, and I want to ask you, will you give yourself uh, for what Christ himself uh, gave himself for? Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And uh, if you agree to that, if you, were, if you agree to give yourself to the church, and we'll, sh- we'll keep our eyes shut, <laughs> except for me, uh, if you agree to that, that you will give yourself to the church, a local church, uh, will you stand? Just stand and then, um, then sit down again. Just a little, some sort of action. Just if you'll give yourself to the local church, just stand and sit down again. Don't do it if just because everyone else is. It does, it does cost, it does hurt sometimes. Uh, we had a hard week this week. And, um, but hey, that's, that's life. <laughs> 
And as we uh, as we worship again, as we sing this song, um, some people will be here to pray. Are you okay, Sheree, to pray? Uh, Sean, will you be okay to pray? And Mike, yeah, Mike, you help, okay to help pray? Bruce, you okay to help pray? And uh, Mary, uh, Ken, yeah. Okay, let's stand up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, um, Jesus, that you you have loved us. We've seen your love, how you died for us, us personally and us uh, corporately as a body. Thank you for that. Praise your name. Just um, come up if um, people love to pray for you. Can those prayers come up now? Just stand here.